All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Second City Church. My name is Cole. I'm associate pastor here at the church. Um, and I'm so excited to talk to you guys today, the Sunday after uh, Mother's Day. Um, and we're going to dive into the scripture today of Luke 24. And we're going to be talking about why do we look for the living, which is Jesus, among the dead, going to the tombs of our lives. So the title of today's message is, Why do we look for the living among the dead? So let's pray before we get started. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together, Lord, uh, even if it's not in person yet. Uh, we thank you for your word that we may know you. Uh, and we thank you for your word as a sign to the living one, to your son, Jesus Christ. And we say you are welcome here. We invite you to minister to us today as we look into your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, so we're going to go to Luke 24, and we're going to look at the resurrection, the road, and the return. The resurrection, the road, the return. So go ahead, uh, turn with me in your Bibles if you have them. All right, Luke 24, verses 1 through 35. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened while they were talking and discussing together. Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered them, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, O slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not 
necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread, and blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Okay, guys. Well, that's Luke 24. And I encourage you to go back, read it, meditate on it. Be that cow with the multiple stomachs where you chew it over and over and over because the truth is that the Word of God is living and it's active. It's eternal. Every time we go to it, we get something out of it. So we're not going to cover everything that could possibly be covered through this scripture today. But what I feel like God was highlighting for us at Second City Church as a part of the larger family of God around the world there's a couple of things he wants us to focus on. So in the section where we see the resurrection, the empty tomb, uh, what I felt like the Lord wanted to say to us is that life is too short and eternity is too long to look for the living among the dead. So like the, like the women who came to the tomb, they were mourning the crucified Jesus. We too should mourn the results of sin in our lives and the lives of others by going to the tombs made for that which was lost. And so this is a part of true repentance. A lot of times we think that, oh, if we're living by faith, uh, we forget about the hardships, right? We forget about mourning altogether. But the truth is, is that the only thing that pleases God is faith. But faith has to start with a recognition that we have been separated from God that the reason that there was a crucifixion was because there was sin and sin had to be paid for. And so, like the women who were following Jesus that showed up at the tomb mourning, we too need to be okay with mourning sin and the results of sin in our own lives and of those around us because that is not the way that God intended it for it to be. But because it was that way, sin in our lives and sin in other people's lives, the sinful world, there had to be a crucifixion. Now, we weren't there for the crucifixion, but we see the results of sin in our own lives through um, self-hatred, through broken relationships, uh, through sickness and disease even that sin has brought on, either because of our own choices or just the state of the fallen world that now has sickness in it at all. We need to be able to recognize the effects of sin and mourn them so that we can move forward with God. And this is part of true repentance. And secondly, like the women who came and they were mourning, they brought prepared spices and ointments to, uh, uh, to, to help with the, uh, uh, the decomposing process of the body in order to honor the body. They wanted to help make the best of a terrible situation 
which was the crucifixion, of course not realizing the resurrection. But we too should be willing, like they were, to make amends and bring comfort to those that we've sinned against. We should be willing to make restitution for the wrongs that we've done and also for those around us as well. Um, when we're a part of a, a body or an institution or organization that has done sinful things. Uh, so that is restitution, and that's also a part of the true repentance process. We should be willing to do that. But the good news is that the gospel, which is the good news, does not stop at the crucifixion and the empty tomb. The crucifixion was just the beginning. The empty tomb was the valley. And then the resurrection is the ascent to the mountaintop. And so it doesn't stop there. This is where the truth actually, meaning the truth of the resurrection, just like they encountered the empty tomb, and then they were perplexed. They were like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Has the body been stolen? We can't even make things right now. We can't use our uh, restitution, our spices, our ointments. We, we can never make this a better situation. Um, but if there is a resurrection, which our minds readily do not want to go to, if there's a risen one where there should be a dead one, it is hard for us to take that in because it's not logical. It's not our normal everyday experience. And because of that, we need heaven to intervene. We need God to speak to us to actually reveal the resurrected Christ to us. So what we see here is that they show up, right? They're perplexed. And then God sends two, as Hebrews uh, calls them, uh, ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are, who are to inherit salvation. That's Hebrews 1.14. He sends two angels to ask them a thought-provoking question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for him? Don't you know that he's resurrected? Because remember, they were walking with Jesus this entire time. They heard his prophecies that the, the Son of Man must uh, be crucified and must resurrect on the third day. But in their mourning process, in their guilt, in their hurt, in their pain, they were not able to acknowledge what even the Lord himself had said, that there would be a resurrection. So praise God with me today that he sends his Holy Spirit to witness to our heart, right? And then he also sends people and angels to help us get along to that place to where we can receive the good news of the resurrection. And so uh, one of the questions I felt like God was asking me as I was preparing for this is, Cole, why do you seek the one that you know about, the living Jesus, the Savior of the world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords forevermore? Why do you seek the living among the dead? Because you've walked with him just like the women had. And so I feel like what the Lord was saying to me is that even after we come to faith in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, and we surrender our lives to Him, the reason we go back to these empty tombs is because we forget. We forget His promises. And therefore, like Peter says, we become short-sighted, right? Or, excuse me, nearsighted. I've got thick enough glasses, I should know these terms. Uh, nearsighted, and we forget that we've been cleansed of our former sins. We forget the promises that He's made. Um, so some of the places that we tend to go to, these I'll call them empty tombs where we expect to find Jesus, but yet we're disappointed. Um, if we forgot that there's a resurrection and a redemption of these things is 
we end up going to religion, thinking that if we are just good enough and we do enough and we obey enough, that we can have life, we can have a restored relationship with God. But the truth is, is that the law can never be fulfilled and never was fulfilled by any human being. You won't do it, I won't do it. So why do we keep going back here and trying to just live the, our best life now, trying to be the best person we can be? Um, not to say we shouldn't try to please God, but there's a difference between relationship and religion. But that's one of the ones that I go to. And then also, I tend to neglect the church of God by thinking I will find the living one, Jesus, outside of the place he said he would be, which was in his gathered church. And so before I was saved, um, and many people, other people I know, we would go to all these places like the clubs, for example, right, where we would try to find the, the living one that our empty hearts are going uh, for. Um, I'm, I'm terrible at going to the empty tomb of people-pleasing, just trying to make people happy, right? Thinking that if they're happy, then God will be pleased with me as well. Well, that's not, that's not the truth because uh, our first priority is to bring glory to God and to love Him and to obey Him. And out of that overflow, we love people the way that God has loved them not always the way that they want to be loved or that they want to be pleased. So I'll fall into that. And then also a lot of us, we turn to romantic relationships, thinking that we're going to find the living one if we can just have the best romantic relationship. For some of us, uh, this used to be me when we're single. We think if we can just get married, right, we're going to have uh, the fulfillment that only Jesus can give us. And it's, it's not true. I'm married now. It's a great blessing. Love my wife. You know, we had our first kid. There's a lot of fulfillment there. But the problem is that the expectations that my heart has that are legitimate expectations of what it means to be right with God will never be fulfilled by that relationship. And if I place those expectations on that marriage relationship or romantic relationship, um, it will actually crush that relationship and it will become uh, an empty tomb, right? success at work, all right? Some of you guys know my story about filing bankruptcy back when I was 25 years old. Well, that empty tomb was shown to be empty uh, after seven years of, uh, of, of trying to find uh, Jesus in that empty tomb. He's, uh, he wasn't there. And then after the pandemic, I already see it. We're all prone to it. More security. We're going to try to insulate ourselves, right? And think that, okay, if I can just do everything right, uh, have enough money in the bank. Um, if I can uh, just, you know, protect myself, then I'll, 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 I'll feel better. I'll have that place in my heart filled, and it's just not true. Um, when we realize these tombs are empty, we also realize our hearts are empty, like we were talking about. But only when we experience this kind of disappointment is there actually room in our hearts for the Holy Spirit to actually reveal the resurrected Christ to us. And that's the redeeming thing about coming to an empty tomb in any of these areas. God uses that to actually reveal Christ to us. Um, so why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you. And so that's quoting the scripture that we just read. They remembered the prophecy that Jesus said this would happen. And then, only then, did they return to the gathering of believers and to witness to the church that was forming. And so this is a crucial point for us. When Jesus has been revealed to us 
as the resurrected Lord and we encounter Him, He always wants us to go be a witness to those who are struggling, who need that encouragement, and also to those who don't know Him yet as well. So we see that it actually led that encounter, right, of realizing that Jesus is alive, led them to go back and to tell others. Now, life is too short and eternity is too long to not investigate the empty tomb to see, is it really empty? Did this Jesus actually rise from the dead? And so what we saw was we saw Peter run back to that tomb after hearing the testimony from the women. Now, not everybody went there. It was only Peter and one other disciple, right? And there were about 120, uh, they say, that were gathered together. And so will you be the one to go investigate that empty tomb? I hope so. Life is too short and eternity too long to not know if God has made a way for you to be with Him forever through the resurrected Christ. And then I love how the scripture says that after Peter went and saw with his own eyes that the tomb was empty, he marveled all the way home thinking, oh, maybe it is true. And then we find out later that Jesus actually did go track him down and reveal himself to him and bring him back into the church. But now we're going to turn to the second point, and that is the road to Emmaus. Now, on the road to Emmaus, we find two disciples. Uh, one was named Cleopas. The other one, we don't know their name. So we don't know if it was two men or if it was a man and a woman. It could have been uh, a husband and a wife. Uh, they were most likely in Jerusalem celebrating the Passover. They saw all the wonderful things Jesus did. They saw the terrible uh, crucifixion. Uh, and apparently they were with the 120 because they knew about them coming back, the women coming back and saying they saw the empty tomb and that angels had appeared to them. And so what's really interesting in here is that they were talking about all these things that have happened, and while they were discussing these things, so my question for you people of God, are you discussing the things of God on a regular basis? Are you talking about them, working them out? Because it says, and then Jesus drew near. As they were on their road to Emmaus, away from Jerusalem, right? So they were going in the wrong direction, <laughs> but Jesus still drew near as they were talking about them. But they didn't recognize him. Jesus is around us, right, by His Spirit today, talking to us, ministering to us by His Spirit, and we don't always recognize Him. Jesus asked them, what happened? What things? And guys, Jesus is the leader, as uh, the master of leading questions. And I want to encourage you, a lot of times when I have questions and I'm talking to God, He doesn't give me a direct answer. He actually asks me a question. And then I start to think about things that, is the answer that he has for me. So don't be disheartened when you don't get direct answers. Listen for the Holy Spirit so that uh, you can know what he, questions he wants you to ask. Okay. And so what's really cool here is that they were talking with Jesus and they didn't know that they were talking to Jesus. So sometimes we don't know who we're talking to. Jesus could be talking to us through a preacher. He could be talking to us through a friend. He could be talking to us, of course, through His Word, right? Which is the most uh, direct way and clear way that He talks to us. But the question is, are you coming back to Jesus uh, in prayer with the things that are being said to you? And now, what's really cool is when, uh, uh, when He was walking with them, their hearts burned. They burned, even though they did not know they were talking to Jesus. The truth of the Scripture that He was revealing to them, opening their minds, the result was a burning heart. And so guys, when you come to truth, you will have a burning heart. 
And if it really is truth, eventually Jesus will be revealed in it. So do what they did. Say, hey, come spend more time with us. Invite the truth in. Go deeper into the truth, right? And so Jesus said, okay, I'll stay with you guys. I'll eat dinner. And what we see here is they went to the next level of intimacy, right? It says that they prepared a meal and Jesus blessed the bread. He broke the bread and their eyes were opened. Guys, this is synonymous with communion, right? Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me on the night before he was crucified when he was sharing the Passover with them. And so as he did that, their eyes were opened, he vanished, and then they realized who Jesus was. Now here's the cool thing, the return. And this is another thing Jesus has for us right now in this moment. He wants all of us who are dismayed, who've been approaching empty tombs, who have been wandering, he wants us to return back to the church because the church is where he is found. And so they rose the same hour that they recognized Jesus and they returned to the community of worshipers. It was late at night. They were getting ready to like pack it up, go to bed, and just start again the next day going to their destination. But instead they encountered Jesus, their eyes were opened, their whole direction in life changed, and they immediately went to go, they changed opposite directions, left that night in the dark and went to go be with the people of God again. So friends, I want to encourage you, come back to church. Come back to the people of God, no matter whatever habits you've gotten into uh, during this pandemic or whatever else has just gotten in the way of making devotion to God with the people of God a priority in your life. Jesus is calling you back today. Um, Psalm 84 says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Come back to the house of God and be blessed singing His praise. Selah, blessed are those whose strength is in you and in whose heart are the highways to Zion. So blessed are those who are always looking for the opportunity to come back together with the people of God. They have a highway in their heart that is well-traveled, that they know to come back to the people of God, to the house of God, and they'll be blessed for it. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a, which means the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. So, so guys, it may be a hard trek to get back to the people of God, to come back together in worship, but he promises that as you go through it, the trials, carrying your cross, right? Being a disciple of Jesus, doing the things that he says to do, like coming together in worship, he's going to turn that hardship into a blessing, whatever the hardship is in your situation to get there. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah, behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. And no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts 
in you. And a couple of other scriptures that just remind us how important it is to be, to return back to the community of worshipers right here. Matthew 18, 18 through 20 says, um, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, you shall, shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, if you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So Jesus is present where the community of worshipers are gathered together. So he wants us to come back together. And then 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when we come together, Jesus is there, the Spirit of the Lord is there, and there is freedom. And the last thing, guys, I'll read is a wonderful quote by C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. He says, We all want progress, but progress means getting nearer to the place where you want to be. And so I'll ask you, where do you want to be? Do you want to be with the risen one? Do you want to be with his people, his body? And if you have taken a wrong turning, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you are on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. So if we want to make progress in our life, sometimes we have to stop going toward Emmaus when we encounter Jesus and go uh, encounter Jesus and go back to where he said to go and that is with the community of worshipers. There is nothing progressive about being pig-headed and refusing to admit a mistake. And I think if you look at the present state of the world, it's pretty plain that humanity has been making some big mistake. We're on the wrong road. And if that is so, we must go back. Going back is the quickest way on. So guys, for today, the Lord is just saying that stop looking for the living among the dead. Quit going to the empty tombs. Acknowledge what they are that they don't satisfy. And then come back, not only to the risen one, the Savior of our souls, through repentance and faith, but come back to His body as well, to the people of God as we regather for worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the gift of Your Word. We thank You for the gift of Your Word made flesh. And we thank You for the gift of the church, the body of believers that You have bought by Your blood, that You have sanctified by Your blood, and now You've connected us by Your Spirit. Um, Lord, we pray that the church would be uh, amazing to us once again. Lord, we begin to love you and love your church again as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to continue to talk about these things in our community groups throughout this week. So if you've not yet found one, please go do, do visit our website where you can find both virtual and in-person options. In addition to that, if there's any way that we can stand with you today or in the future, let us know because we'll be praying for you this week. Do think about how you can share this link so that others might be encouraged by the grace of God. And please do invite family members, friends, co-workers, and the like with you to service next week so they can also hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Until then, God bless you and have a wonderful week in the Lord.